Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 my friends, to Off the Shelf Radio for this Saturday, February 21st. I almost start getting on these guests and, and their publicists <laughs> who, who reach out and ask to schedule these interviews. Um, and I'm also learning again to be flexible. I, I want to thank you guys again for tuning in to Off the Shelf. I think I'll just just joined us. We do have a wonderful guest uh, today who will be sharing with us how we can use our smartphones to to market. And, and for those here at Off the Shelf, we know we focus on liter- literature. So how you can, another tool you can use to market your novels, your nonfiction books, and, you know, your own your own radio interviews that you do and your marketing efforts, whether you're attending a book festival or a book fair, these are the things that we, we want you to walk away with today. You know, when you tune in the Off the Shelf, we want you to come away. And it's all free with valuable advice from leaders in the, in the industry, things that you, if you had to pay for, to go to a seminar, you could pay hundreds or thousands of dollars for it, and you're getting it free at a whole hour. And for those who log in through the chat room, you have to be signed up with Blog Talk Radio to post a question in the chat room. That's not my policy. That's the Blog Talk Radio policy. But you can post your questions live in the chat room, which is always open on Saturday mornings, and get your questions, uh, possibly get your question answered live on the air. But I want to welcome all of you again to this Saturday, February 21st. We are coming down a home stretch in February, the second month, and this awesome year, 2015. And I want to thank you again for joining us. It's just a joy, a joy, an absolute joy to have you tuned in to Off the Shelf. And it's still time for you to go tell your friends and your neighbors, your colleagues, anybody that you think would enjoy listening to Off the Shelf for either entertainment, but more importantly, information and education that you can gain today, particularly somebody who might be marketing a product, could be a small business owner, somebody who's a startup, a solopreneur, they're doing it themselves or they're just building a team. You want to know how you can use smartphones and other tools, similar tools, to grow your business. They, there's still time for them to dial into Off the Shelf, and the dial-in number is 347-994-3490. Again, that's 347-994-3490. You can go out on social media and let folks know and share the number. They can also, you can tweet, send a message through tw- Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and let folks know there's valuable information being shared, and they want to catch it now here at uh, Off the Shelf. They And they can also look up Denise Turney Off the Shelf. It should come up on the very, very top of any search, and then just click right into the show. I want to introduce myself. We've been here for 11, going on 11 years, for, and I want to thank our loyal listeners who've been with us for over 10 years now. For those who might be tuning in for the first time, where well, we always share such valuable information, I want to introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and as I always say, I'm coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. And thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you for those who've gone out and gotten a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. I encourage you to get a copy if you haven't. You, If you love mystery and romance and lots of entertainment, 
and you like watching complex characters evolve and that how their the way they relate to each other helps them to evolve which I'm sure we're all trying to do then you will want to get a copy of love pour over me you're not going to be able to really appreciate it unless you read the story. It's thought-provoking and it's very, very emotional. It's going to dredge up emotion in you. And you can get a get a copy of Love Pull Over Me through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, eBook it. You can get it at the library. You can read free excerpts at my website, chistel.com. C H I S T E L L dot com. If you pick up a copy, let me know how you enjoy the book. You can let me know on Facebook or Twitter. Or here even at Off the Shelf Radio. But please go get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And now let us go and meet our very special Off the Shelf guest. And our special guest today is Kareel Storch. And Kareel, he's the CEO of Electric Web, a field leader in mobile app and website development. And we know this is just growing and growing and growing. Also a leader in programming and online revenue generation through e-commerce, social media, and marketing communication initiatives. While he was in college, he majored in international studies and political science. He interned in Washington for Congressman William De La Hunt. And to learn more about Kirill Storch, and I'm going to spell his first name for you. It's K-I-R-I-L-L. In case you're doing a search uh, in the engines, you can spell his name. K-I-R-I-L-L Storch. You can check him out at electricwebmarketing.com. It's spelled exactly as it sounds, E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-W-E-B. M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G.com, electricwebmarketing.com. Let me go and connect to Kareel here at Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Kareel. Hi, Denise. Thanks for having me. We're delighted to have you here on Off the Shelf. Uh, uh, And what a background you have and the information that you could share with our listeners here at Off the Shelf Radio. So we want to thank you for being here. With each show that we do, I like to give our listeners some backstory on our guests so they can start to feel a little uh, personal connection, like they know them a little bit. So we're not just coming into the questions, the business questions cold. So I wanted to start by asking you, how long did you live in St. Petersburg, Russia? Wow. I don't know. You might be the first guest from Russia on Off the Shelf in over 10 years. And what was life like for you, Kirill, growing up growing up in St. Petersburg? Well, you know, it, my family immigrated to the States when I was a pretty young child. My, my mom studied religion, and that, that was a big problem, studying it in the former Soviet Union. So we actually ended up seeking political asylum. Uh, we were one of the first non-Jewish families to get political asylum right after the fall of the Soviet Union. So we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, so my mom could freely study Buddhism and Chinese, which was her specialty. So we're very lucky to have been accepted by this country and to have gotten the opportunities that this country provides, and we're still thankful for that this day. And uh, pretty much my life story after that, you know, I started getting into technology from a very early age. And as you mentioned, I I, I originally did politics and international relations. And um, after that, I went into the private market, opened up a web marketing company, and eventually also expanded that to include websites and mobile apps. And here I am today. Wow. So how old were you? How old did you say you were 
when you were you born in St. Petersburg? I know your mother went there for her, which she was studying religion. Yeah, in Russia probably wouldn't. You wouldn't think you would not not all the religious freedom certainly that people have in the United States nowhere near. But were you born in Russia? Yep. I know yeah, you traveled so a lot. Here, we we left the Soviet Union in in '89, and that was four years old at the time. And then we came to America when I was five. So we spent a little bit of time in Austria, a little bit of time in Italy. And basically, we were just trying to get over here as much as we can. And the way we got out, actually, it was pretty scary. My mom was being actively, you know, pursued by by the KGB because of some text that she translated, Buddhist text wow. that she translated from um, some ancient languages into Russian. And so uh, she decided just to leave, and, and we had the help of a, a Jewish group, actually, that, that forged some documents for us, because under the Nixon-Brezhnev Treaty, you know, uh, Jews were allowed to freely leave Russia whenever they wanted. So we, we kind of had some fake documents made for us so we could get out of there. Wow. Oh, my goodness. We've had guests on who've had some backgrounds that were just mind-boggling, some things that they went through that everybody has a story. You hear people say that everybody has experiences that are, we, we generally think it's just us, but when you start talking to people or doing a radio show, you start to learn it's, it's quite common. People have these amazing, amazing stories. You you touched on the fact that you lived in other countries like Vienna, Rome, and Albuquerque, New Mexico. How did growing up today, when you look back as a businessman, how did growing up in these different countries, these different areas around different cultures, we're in a global economy now, how did that impact you, and how does it continue to impact you as a businessman today? Well, I think even the way that we orient our company, I mean, we've recently had a very large client from China that I closed, um, an auto group, a lot of clients from Europe. Um, our orientation is very international. Uh, the way we try to conduct ourselves is, is very sensitive of people from other languages and other cultures. And our perspective, too, when we develop these applications or marketing campaigns, we always think about markets that maybe don't immediately jump to mind if I hadn't had that cross-cultural experience, uh, China, Europe. You know, we're always considering ourselves as part of an interconnected global economy. So I think that, that that's very important. And I, I, I travel a lot. I, I drag the bag all the time. I just got back from Beijing uh, last year. Before that, I was in Colombia and Thailand. And, and so that's still very much a part of my life. Why can you tell us now when and why did you start Electric Web? So Electric Web was really initially a way for, for me to be able to conduct Internet marketing campaigns for for my close friends. So essentially I, I wanted to just give people an opportunity really just to help them and say, well, look, I can drive traffic to your site. I can get you ranked high on Google. So it started just like that. It grew pretty fast. Um, initially, you know, be before I started Electric Web, I was actually working in the mental health industry um, as a counselor. And I, I kind of decided I wanted to do something completely different. So I just I quit my job, uh, got a little bit of seed funding. I did a startup. And uh, in my case, I guess I got lucky and, and it succeeded. I think I really enjoyed the freedom of being able to work by myself, uh, of working in the in the private sector, you know, um, it, it's it's a lot funner when you're when you have your own business and you're kind of in control of your life. So I think that was one of the main passions about you know why I started the company. 
Okay, okay. Uh, can you can you tell us a, a little bit more uh, going in depth, especially for off the shelf listeners, which most of are in the book industry, but we also have small business owners who tune in to off the shelf. Can you tell us about some of the services that Electric Web offers? Yeah, so we we basically have two buckets of services. One is we do programming and development, and the other one is that we do marketing. So we build amazing websites and interactive mobile applications for people. And then we also do Internet marketing, so we'll drive traffic to you know the app or the website that we build. So in a nutshell, that, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, okay, so it, it's driven off off of the off of the app, which we know is that in itself. If you build an app, if for people who do for off the shelf listeners, that's a great way to drive a lot of traffic to your to your website. Uh, whether you offer free downloads. But though you have to have that technological background, I have to ask you because sometimes I'll get these ideas and I'm like, wow, I don't have the, I don't have the background for that. Do you have a technological background, or do you are you very do you can you develop and and program? Can you do those things, creating code? Can you do that yourself? Yeah, I'm 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 100% self-taught, and and I have you know some some degree of tech background. Um, so and I also rely a lot on the expertise of, of technical officers that I've that I've hired on to, to my company as well. So it, it's a it's a team environment. But yeah, I'm I'm very technically oriented. I'm on the internet all the time. Um, I'm studying all the time. Always trying to learn and develop that that part of myself. I think um, you know having some tech background is going to be increasingly important, really, for everybody, even if it's not the main thing that you do. Knowing how to use the tools, understanding the language. That's going to become increasingly important. Um, tech's growing really fast, and there's not an industry on the planet that it's not affecting. I mean, book marketing especially, that that's a pretty, you know, as far as industries go, it's a, it's a little bit of a dinosaur. I mean, it still uses a lot of, you know, conventional, older methods kind of, of operation, but I think it's being pretty seriously disrupted by, by new technologies as well. So I, I think anyone who's a self-published author getting into the business should definitely learn all the you know the internet tech, internet marketing lingo to be able to help themselves promote their book or, or to even understand what services you know a marketing company is offering. I have to ask you this; it just popped into my head. For, uh, two questions: If you just if if let's say an author has an idea or a publisher or or publicist to 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 market something, but they need and they want to build an app to do it. Is there a place to go where you and do you offer these services through Electric Web where they could go and have an app created that they could use that really would just automate a lot of that marketing? I heard an interview a guy he said this is when Twitter first started. He was able to get in on the back end before they put all those safeguards in place and he made over a million dollars. Is there but he knew technology and an app and how to how to work it? How, where would somebody go if they had an idea and they said, you know what, I don't have the the in depth. They can say, you know, I can use Word and Excel and I know social media and that type of stuff, but I don't, I can't build an app. I don't know code. Is there a place where somebody can go to? You offer these services where they'll build the app that will automate a lot of this marketing. 
Yeah, we can definitely help with that. Yeah, that's something we can do. Um, you know, other other companies specialize in that as well. I have a, I have a colleague who has a company called California Application Research Group, and, and that company is very good at, at marketing automation applications as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely a possibility. Um, you know, with with marketing apps or especially when you when you have a book it's a little bit of a roll of the dice i think um <clears throat> it works really well when you have a pre-established audience if you're trying to build up your audience for the first time what might happen is you build the application and nobody ends up hearing about it you know so you may want to invest your your initial funds into something that's a little bit of a wider network so social media seo um like auxiliary blog marketing where you're contacting other people's blogs and so forth. And, and there's always so much automation you can do with that stuff because you have to get your own personal brand out there. You have to stay creative. Um, so automating it too much isn't going to work. I, I think I'm a big fan of actually moving away from marketing automation because I think the consumer now is, is able to sense that a little bit if they feel something is, is too automated. So I actually I actually like a lot of you know personal written emails and things that are kind of a little bit more I, I guess I would say creative or, or out of the box with with less automation. But I, I have seen people be able to leverage you know mobile applications as part of their marketing campaign and be very successful with it as well. Can you tell us now how can businesses use smartphones? How can we use smartphones to increase? revenues and would would you need an app to do it yeah so this is a pretty interesting field and it's a very very new field so a lot of people you know on the consumer level people have already accepted the fact the smartphone's a game changer right businesses are usually a couple years behind consumers so they're really now just starting to look at this thing and saying wow this is an incredible improvement to our efficiency so the way the smartphone is going to be able to cut cost is something called bottom line revenue improvement. So it's just going to improve an existing process and make it simpler and more efficient. Um, I mentioned, you know, the California Application Research Group. That that's a great company. I recently had a chance to look at one of their apps, and they have a, a field mobility management application called WePaint for painting contractors. So, for example, if you're a painting contractor and you have 50 people working all across town. You know, they might be coming in late, you, they might be overbilling you. This app only allows them to check in when they're at the job site. It allows you to see whether they're working above national average or below national average in terms of their efficiency. So as, as a company owner, you've just cut down on time theft, you have a much more efficient payroll schedule, and you can actually see over time who's performing well and, and who isn't. So over time, that can save you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. So that's just one way in which a smartphone can help improve bottom line revenue, and there's many, many others. Wow. Wow. It's almost scary. It's almost scary. I saw um, uh, something on, I don't know if it was a web page. They have these heat maps now. They can tell where, I mean, those have been around for a little while, but they can tell what part of an article or web page you're focusing on this at some point i think wow it's 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 a little bit scary because you can track human behavior using technology you know and then also influence human behavior um with technology uh so can you tell us smartphones and then i'm thinking now of amazon.com and their their drones that they're going to use to start delivering things we we are headed for star wars it's almost like we're headed 
with Star Wars, how can smartphones help uh, a businesses, uh, book publishers, other small business owners to manage your inventory? You just told us you can tell when somebody, how productive they are, if they're coming in late consistently or on time. How can they people manage their inventories, particularly I think when tax time comes, a lot of publishers, that's something that might chew up a lot of their time. So I think especially for for a small publisher, inventory management is a great use of their smartphone. So I I think of a case in Australia where there was a a garden tool supply company, a very large one actually. And, you know, they had a pen and paper process for inventory management. They had a gentleman or a lady walking down the aisle with a clipboard and a pen, and they were just marking off boxes. So what happens in that case? Inventory can go out the back door. The process takes hours and hours. It's a very error-prone process. With an inventory management app, you know, all you do is you put little stickers on the boxes. You walk down the aisle, and your phone just scans them right away. It immediately syncs the inventory management program. You know, management all across the world, if you have, you know, dispersed management or wherever your management is, they can actually see the inventory. And it becomes pretty much impossible to steal because the the phone can detect if you're trying to move your hand or, or avoid scanning a particular box, you have to remain steady, you know, across the line of the shelves the whole time. So it greatly cut down on employee theft, and it made the process a lot more efficient. And the people that use it, the actual people in the warehouses, they love it because they just took a job that used to take a few hours, and now it's a job that takes 30 minutes. So that, that's a quick example of an inventory management application. You, oh my goodness! So now I have to jump back a little bit. You said when did you get started working in technology again? You 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 worked, you interned in Washington um, for a congressman, and then you traveled the country with your the world with your parents. When? How long have you been, you know, interested in and working in technology? Because you're very knowledgeable, but it doesn't sound like that's how. Your life started. Yeah, I've been in in tech as an industry, like with this actual company, for six years now. So I, I, have, okay. I have six years of of you know steady tech experience under my belt. And before that, I I just have you know some um, some personal experience. You know, just uh, learning how to how to code or do internet marketing or, or reading. And I've always played a lot of video games, which, you know, you see the little kids playing video games now. That That's actually a, a pretty good initial step to becoming passionate, you know, about technology. And you see even the U.S. Army and so forth, they're, they're targeting gamers for their experience with technology. So that that's actually a, an interesting way to kind of get introduced to the subject. Oh, okay. But you've, you, uh, the things you're talking about now, it, it, somebody has to be really into technology to even know about it because there are things you're discussing that I never even heard of. Can you give us three practical steps, three practical steps that a, a book author or publisher could start using fairly soon, fairly quickly to mar- use their smartphone to start marketing their books more to social social media sites and other places online. What are like one, if you can give at least, I would say two to three practical steps that are easy to take, easy to implement, that they can start using uh, soon? Well, you know, in in the book world, of course, it's all about creating buzz, right? The, the, the problem with books is that they all kind of, at the outset, they all look the same. 
So, you know, essentially they're, they're all just pieces of paper um, or, you know, bits of code on a computer screen. So the next question becomes, how, how do I take this, this bundle of papers or, or these bits of code and text and font, and how do I differentiate them and brand them so somebody without having read it first or having met somebody who's read it is going to look at that and say, yes, I absolutely want to buy that, right? So it starts with this issue of, of brand differentiation. So the first thing you want to do is you want to create an interesting spin. You want an app concept that, that's a little bit different. That's something that someone hasn't done before, right? And you want it to be somehow related to your book. So you think of the app concept, you execute on the app, you create the application, and then you start marketing the app alongside the book, right? So I, I think of um, an app concept that we developed for, for a guy who wrote a book about nutrition and health. And then we developed an app concept of restaurants that adhere to his particular diet and lifestyle, right? So it tracks these restaurants. So we then spun that app alongside the book, and what we did is we sold the book with an app membership, and we gave people six months on the app for free, and then we sent them over to subscription-based modeling of about 2 or $3 um, a month. So it actually it, it increased his sales by probably over 200% because people were saying, wow. well, I'm not just getting a book. I'm yeah. getting this really cool app, and the app's interactive, and so what does the interactivity do? It builds community. Now all of a sudden you have multidirectional communication, and it's not just me reading the book by myself. I can also communicate with people that have read the book. I'm part of a community. I'm part of a lifestyle. I can review these restaurants, mention book chapters, specific recipes, and so forth, and I, there's a lot more value in it. Um, so that's just one way I think you, you, can, you can look at it. Um, think of an interesting concept, roll it out, and then um, make sure that you utilize the push notification feature on your app. One really cool thing about mobile applications is that, you know, they're connected to a phone. So now you have the phone number. Anytime someone downloads your app, you can have the phone number of that individual. So you can build a very large SMS marketing mm. database. Well, you know, you don't want to overutilize that feature, obviously, because it's sensitive. But some strategic uh, SMS marketing, maybe a text message when you do your book tour and you're in town or when you roll out a new book, I think that's totally appropriate and it can definitely drive revenue. Wow. So that, that and you know what, For when we think about the fact that if you do it, yes, I think to do it organically, to go in, like you say, to actually sign in to Facebook, sign in to Twitter, and now don't just automate every message because people know if it's automated. But you start responding to other people when they put their post in. Uh, you, you, that's one way that people know that you're generally not using. It's not automated. It's a it's a it's a it's an organic personal interaction, and I think people do appreciate that. So, like you said, and I appreciate you saying that. It's important to go in and do that and not just push your message out to people, but to respond to messages that other people are sharing. It's not like if you're talking to somebody and you're the only one who's always talking. You also have to stop and respond to what other people say and listen. So going in to social media and doing that, and if you combine it with automated programs, then then that can prove to be beneficial. What you just shared now is very helpful. And for our listeners, you know, they uh, I'm thinking about uh, – I want to say hub. Uh, okay, why do I want to say a hub spot? Uh, hub. They they will offer a lot of free guidebooks for off the shelf listeners, and then you download it and they get your contact information. That's how people build their their databases because Facebook owns that content, Twitter owns that. I know you might have a gazillion followers, but they own all that 
their 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 info that you would use their email, et cetera. They own all that. So to keep your own database going, you can download free chapters of your books and then just ask people for their email address or maybe their first and last name. Boom, you're giving them something and you can also start to build your database. So that would, that's another way that you can use. And like you said, you can use your smartphone that way and then push out push out messages. Kareel, what is mobile process improvement? Mobile process improvement is pretty simple. All that really is is finding a process within your company and organization and just improving it using a mobile phone. So like we mentioned, the inventory we mentioned the management of those paint contractors. That's all mobile process improvement. It's any process that gets better as a result of, of mobile phones. Okay, okay. Um, what would a business, let's say a small business, and I'm thinking about people with tight budgets, what, if they wanted to get started, whether it's inventory, checking their employees' time, because now it's really a trust. We're, 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 not, we're no longer in the clock in, clock out error of most businesses, so it's a matter of trust. But how does a business get started using mobile process improvement? Oh, and can you also use it to track, let's say you're noticing that ah, my my laptops are going down or my office supplies are going down because maybe some employees are taking things home. Can you also use this to track that? And how does a business get started using mobile process improvement? So, yeah, to answer the first, the second part of your question first, yes, you, you can use it to track that. Um, there's just a lot of flexibility in these little devices. There, there's quite a bit of computing power there, and, and they're very, very flexible in terms of what they can do. And, um, you know, the first, the first question, you know, what do you do? We've actually developed a checklist, and we have a, a white paper available on our website. You, you mentioned electricwebmarketing.com that, that has that checklist. And basically what you do is you just take a look at it and, and you start asking yourself some questions. You say, is there something less than efficient about my company? Um, is there a murky handoff process where I'm not sure what happens when this project gets handed off to a, to a different person? Um, are you unsure when a project is successful? Are you unsure exactly who contributed to the success and, and at what points, right? So there's a lot of different questions you ask yourself about murkiness and inefficiency in my existing processes. And if you find that, yes, that exists, you then ask the next logical question is, well, would a smartphone help fix this issue? You know, and sometimes, you know, the answer is very surprising. I mean, your answer might, your question might be, well, why do we have such bloated costs? And maybe the answer is, well, we're using too much paper. We have to, we, we, we fill up, you know, a bunch of our space that could be used for inventory with, with paper. And maybe the answer is, well, let's use document scanning on the phone, scan some of this paper, become a green environmentally friendly office, you know, apply for some grants, get a little money that way, and uh, save on costs. You know, so there's all kinds of different uses of the phone that you might not have considered before. And that all starts with looking at your processes and finding, you know, what is inefficient, what is costly, and what can be improved. I encourage everybody to go over. I'm listening. I'm listening here, and I've done a lot of reading on marketing to Kareel Storch's firm's website, electricwebmarketing.com, so you can start to see how you can save time on your marketing, whether you, again, off-the-shelf focuses on literature, whether you have a nonfiction, which generally is easier to market and sell, or a fiction book or another product, you can go over there and see some of the services that he offers. 
how can you automate and cut down on time so you reach more people in a short amount of time and get more out of your marketing effort? Uh, um, you, you, you're listening to him here, uh, the CEO of Electric Web, and he is knowledgeable. So you can go see if there's some services you can take advantage of if you partner with him, electricwebmarketing.com. Um, I'm, I'm big on that. Just how can you use some of these tools, staying organic uh, and going in without an automated system, without an app and connecting with people, that's very important. But also it's just such a huge time saver. What 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 are some of the trends that you're seeing with MPI, what are you what are you seeing going on now? What are you what would you say to somebody? You know, in the next couple of months or or a year or two, this is where you see it headed. Well, the in a word, the trends are up, up, up. I mean, if you look at the the predicted change between now and 2016, we have about 10 percent of all firms in the country that have invested in it now. And that number is expected to reach 30% in just about a year, right? So you're seeing a three times increase. So the real question is, are you going to be one of the companies that does it or one of the companies that that gets left behind? I mean, you see some innovators, uh, Amazon, U.S. Army, UPS, they've all done it already. You know, they're saving upwards of $15 billion a year. So you just see immense amount of growth, and, and, and that makes perfect sense. So more and more companies. And you know what? This is one thing I was telling my son. When you look at the large companies, first of all, if they've been around for a long time, they've got these powerful brands. I mean, they are just stamped into the human consciousness. You, you say their name and you think of something, boom, the trust level you have with them. You're just so familiar with the name that they just have that that edge, that incredible edge, just their brand by itself. And then you add... And the revenue, the 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 money that they have to pump into these types of marketing, whether it's automated, print, you name it, and you wonder, there's no, there's no surprise that they're a front runner. And so it, it it is. I'm always happy when I see a small business or hear about a self-published author that went big, because that is so against the norm. <laughs> and I'm always happy. Are you seeing MPI? helping more businesses that don't have these just behemoths. I mean, they have these huge global teams behind them, and some people, they just, it's just them and sitting in their living room or their kitchen, and they go big. Are you seeing MPI technology cause this to happen more? Well, MPI is something that, as a as an individual business owner, if you're just by yourself, a solopreneur, that probably is not going to be a good fit for you because it's all about efficiency between individuals, right? So the bigger mm-hmm. the company is, the more the potential cost savings are. Um, but if you're a small business, you know, maybe you're like five to ten people, then that's already, I think, a legitimate size to start looking at something like that. It's a function of your size, you know, because you're going to end up saving 5, 10, 15% on your bottom line revenue costs. So the bigger you are, obviously, the bigger that number is. Now, if you're a small individual business owner, you'd probably be looking more at, you know, business to consumer applications and asking yourself, how do I market myself or how do I grow the top line revenue? How do I get more cash in my pocket using a mobile app? Um, that would probably be the question for an individual sitting in their living room or like a self published author, like I mentioned you know, the fitness and diet book that we did. I think if you're doing a book by yourself or doing some project like that, it's very creative. You would look at at an an app to help market that. 
And as far as bottom line revenue improvement, I think the bigger the business is, the more they they can profit from it. Did you come up with that marketing strategy, your firm, for the fitness book that you you marketed alongside? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That that was us. Yeah. I mean, I I think people are looking more and more at mobile apps as as a way to connect with consumers. And I, I think consumers now are looking for that next new thing. So anytime you have a book with a little bit of a buzz, you're giving away some free gifts or you have a free app subscription or you're doing something a little bit different that no one's done before, that that's going to create a huge ripple effect in the market. You know, And especially, I think, for, for younger people, they're looking more and more for that level of differentiation. And they're looking you know, to meet authors where, where they're at, which is in the tech space, right? They want to be able to connect with their phones or their social media accounts. That's incredibly important. I, I, I'm, as, as much research as I did, I'm listening to you, and this could probably be because I'm not a techie, and I'm like, you're, you're, I'm being blown away now. What are what are some of the most useful M, MPI maps? And then I definitely have to ask you if somebody was interested in working with you, particularly as a as a. It sounds like you work with midsize. Uh, that's your focus. Your company's focus working with midsize firms. But I wanted to ask you how an off-the-shelf listener could contact you and what possibly could you do for them. And do you think mainly a nonfiction book would be a best fit for your firm? But before that, what are are some of the most useful MPI apps that, that you've seen that folks could take advantage of? Well, I mentioned the field employee management app. Any company that has field employees could could take advantage of that, which is just managing people using a mobile application. Um, You know, I think document scanning applications are are very popular. There's apps for inspection improvement. If you're a company that does inspection, uh, these apps can assist in that process. Uh, Security is a big one. Uh, Inventory management, like we said. So those are just some examples of, of really popular uses of, of MPI apps. Um, but, but really, there's just countless, countless utilities that, that you could use them for. So any, any sector in your company, you know, financial, HR, uh, operational, you can probably find a use for a mobile application as long as there's a process there that's less than perfect. So that's, that's what you would want to look at as far as developing one of these things. Now, at your website, it says, will your business be left behind? And we sort of touched on this earlier, and you said, you know, the window is short. On average, small to intermediate-sized businesses that don't hire a competent programming and Internet marketing solution make $47 million less a year than those who do. I'm going back again to the companies with the – they have huge global marketing teams. I mean, just massive – does that does this apply to them as well? Well, yeah. Anybody with a large budget is going to be pretty much taken care of. They'll probably have those solutions for the most part in house, with with maybe some contractors assisting. But yeah, no, it's very important. And I, I think, uh, especially speaking to your audience, you know, I see a lot of people, especially a lot of authors. You know, they they just say, well. I'm going to, you know, spend all this time writing a book, and they'll kind of budget out for just writing the book. And then they look at the marketing piece, and they say, oh, okay, I've budgeted out just a little bit of money for marketing. And in a sense, they've kind of, if, if they're looking at this as a business rather than as a creative pursuit, which I know a lot of authors are, they're really, they're in this, they do want to get the word out, but they they want it to be a functioning business model. So they want to be able to have 
a profitable output Y for input X, right? They want to say, well, if I spend six months writing this book, I am going to get my money back on this thing. I know a lot of authors are, are very, that's very important to them. So if that is one of your goals to make sure the book is profitable, you want to make sure that you've budgeted out a sufficient amount of money for marketing. A lot of people forget that step, and, you know, it's just impossible. The signal-to-noise ratio is just so, so skewed nowadays that if you haven't the money to spend on some, some amount of marketing, you're very likely to just get drowned out in the din of all the different people that are trying to advertise for themselves. So you, you have to have that peace in mind. I I couldn't agree with you more, and you see it on I, I'm I'm again at your website uh, for our office of listeners, electricwebmarketing.com, and I have so many other questions that I want to ask you, but I went over to your website as well. Again, um, a lot of people you see a lot of authors posting over and over and over and over and over in every single Facebook group they can get in, and nobody's really paying attention to that and i know part of your internet marketing you say you've got to identify your target audience do you help your clients to do that or do they do their own market research and they identify their target audience and then you take it from there well you'll you'll see that our our company slogan is leave no theory untested so we're we're very data driven and methodical in our approach and that has led us to have a turnkey solution so we don't actually ever structure a campaign where we allow what we call a z variable or an extraneous variable to take control of the situation so for us to to put that onus on the customer that's going to actually significantly correlate to the projects, I think, being a failure because, you know, the reason they're hiring us is because they may not know how to do all that stuff necessarily. So we actually frame it pretty much in terms of dollars and cents, and we say, look, if you invest this amount of money with us, this is what we can get back for you over time. Uh, we underwrite that with a pretty good performance guarantee, and we expect really nothing of the customer um, except just for them to be present. And obviously... They're public personalities, so sometimes we might have speaking engagements for them or other elites that we want them to follow up on. Uh, but other than that, you know, we, we pretty much take care of everything. Ah, I, I was yesterday, uh, I, took, I was taking a training on two different types of project management, and one is the, the traditional uh, where the, the project plan is, is, it is laid out and it's firm and you you try to stick with it as close as possible, and then you present the final product to the client. And there's this agile uh, project management process. Does your team stick with more the traditional, or is it the agile where you have these um, every so many weeks you sit down and show the client this is what we've done, and then you get their feedback, and then before you go into the next iteration, you 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 put you integrate the customer's feedback changes they want into the next iteration. Just curious, when you are working on a, a marketing plan, whether it's Internet, SEO, you're building an app for a client, what, what is the process that you follow? Is it we, we meet with a client initially, we build, the, we build out the, uh, the app or the marketing pro- project, and then we come to them when it's finished, or do you stop every so many weeks and then you get feedback from the client? I think for anybody that's tried Agile, I don't think they've ever gone back to traditional project management. Um, so Agile is definitely the new standard. It's definitely the standard that we use at our own organization. 
it's just like you said, it's so much significantly better to have the customer as a player, you know, in the meeting room giving live input as opposed to waiting for long periods of time and creating, you know, these incredibly long cycle times and wasteful iteration periods and so forth. So we try very hard to stick to an agile methodology. And, you know, most uh, other programming companies that I know of do the same. That's pretty much the motto of the day is agile development. Okay. Okay. Can you tell us what a few of your um, – what are some of you – you do Internet, you do SEO, you do public relations. Can you just give us just a, a, little, a little bit of um, either examples or descriptors so our listeners can get a better feel, of just a better vision of what it is you offer under each of those buckets? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we we develop the website or mobile application for them, and we make it look absolutely incredible. And then we drive traffic to that website or mobile app. So we use SEO, like you mentioned, which is search engine traffic, um, social media traffic, and uh, PR traffic, which is traffic from news sources and so forth. So it's really just about creating, you know, an anchor on the web, whether it be a website or mobile app, and then afterwards monetizing it by getting people on there, uh, to engage with you, it's pretty much a it's a pretty pretty simple equation. Of course, there's a lot of complexity when you start to break it down, but you know, at, at the outset, that's pretty much what it looks like. Other than the uh, the diet book that you worked with, and do you have you ha- if, if you have worked with uh, uh, more than one author or book publisher, have you had have you found that you've had more success with the nonfiction versus the fiction book? We've worked with a ton of authors, and no, my personal experience has not been that way. And I would say one of the reasons why has probably been uh, film and TV rights. So we actually have an office in Los Angeles, you know, specifically for, for that reason, to help connect with the entertainment industry. And so the edge is with fiction, you have access to the young adult audience, which is a really, really lucrative audience potentially. And then you have the option to transition into, you know, uh, TV and film, which is where a lot of the money is made. So I definitely wouldn't make the case that nonfiction has been a, a better moneymaker for us. It's been split pretty evenly. Uh, yes, it, it's true that a publisher will generally look at a fiction novel with a little bit more of a skeptical and scrutinizing eye. Uh, but the fact is, you know, in terms of performance, I'm sure – you know, industry averages are weighted towards nonfiction, but but in our company, we've been very successful with with both books. I think it's more more of the corollaries of success rather than being fiction or nonfiction are the level of commitment from the author. I mean, is this something that they're going to really you know are they going to put all their cards on the table, or do they have their day job still, and is the book really just kind of a side project for them? Um, the money in the marketing budget, you know, if you're somebody who is able to kick in some of the marketing budget, that makes a really, really big difference. Um, so that those are kind of the two things that, you know, really correlate to success. And then, of course, the author themselves, it's that, that X factor. You know, are they somebody that's comfortable in front of a camera? Are they somebody that is really passionate and motivated about promoting their own book? So the level of motivation from the author matters quite a bit as well, but not so much the style of book. I think you have to write what comes naturally to you. Uh, and I and I agree with that. You have helped market several authors. Okay, off the shelf listeners, uh, you guys. Uh, once again, this is this is something that saves time. 
It saves, and, and, and I couldn't agree more. You can market yourself. There are some self-published authors. There's one uh, self-published author who just wanted to get raise enough money to get tickets to go to some entertainment event in Chicago, and she sold tons and tons of books. She just started writing a, a book to try to raise the money, and it took off. She's now with a mainstream publisher. But that's rare for off-the-shelf listeners. You guys know that's rare. So these are the type of tools, you know, marketing, things that can save you, again, to me, time, time, time. There's just so many other things to do to chew up your time. Uh, to just, It never hurts to reach out to somebody to see what they can offer you, and maybe they are in your in your price range for whatever your budget is for marketing. But, again, we are interviewing Kareel Storch. He's the CEO of Electric Web, and they're at electricwebmarketing.com. And he said they have worked with several authors before, and he offers, I mean, several different types of services that you can use to get the word out about your book using a mobile app. Now, Kareel, you've also written Wrote wrote a wrote a wrote a book. When and and I want to ask you when and why did you write mobile process improvement? Yeah, so really that is a, it's a white paper. I would say more so than a book. It's not it's not a full page book. It's 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 relatively short, and that's really just research. I mean, we looked at the market and said there's really kind of a glut of research in this market. It's relatively new. Not a lot of people are funding research into it. So we just got some grad students together, you know, and, and essentially said, well, let's, let's put a little bit of time and money into researching this thing and looking at some of the trends. So that's kind of a quick quick explanation of it. And, of course, the research helped our own company. We've also found a lot of other companies have been downloading and using it as well because there's just so little academic research done on the subject. So anything we can do to contribute to the field as far as educating people, identifying the trends, crunching some numbers, I'm always very passionate about doing that. Okay, okay. Um, do you recommend that? We talked again about HubSpot and somehow they will will have their free guidebooks and then you download them, and that's a way to start to build your own internal database, contact potential customers, et cetera. Do you recommend that to authors, that they offer a free download so they can grow their readership? Yeah, so emails are definitely very valuable. So giving people a free download or a free opt-in is is generally a good idea because you're building your email marketing database and it's a long-term strategy. So it's not like you're you're going to monetize that overnight. It takes years and years and years to build a profitable email database. But once you have it, you're going to be very happy that you have it. Um so we've we've worked with some authors on developing that database and once it reaches, you know, 10 or 20,000 people, all of a sudden, every time you have a new book out, you know you're you're driving easily two hundred thousand dollars worth of sales right out the gate. So it it really just depends on, you know, what kind of audience you have, and it's not going to happen overnight. And now, you know, if you were buying these these real email leads online, you could be paying as much as a dollar for them. So there's actually you know real monetary value in acquiring these email addresses, and and I, I think it's definitely a good strategy for any author. I'm I'm glad that you said it's not going to happen overnight. And hearing you say that, it builds my trust because you often hear people say it's a cinch, it's so easy, boom, 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 boom. But some things do take time, and you have to be consistent and not stop, go, stop, go, stop, go, and and, and have a plan that you stick with. And you know, tweaking your plan, but but something that you that you stick with. 
to our off-the-shelf listeners, or else if you, every time you get frustrated, you say you stop, stop, go, stop, go, you, you, you're just going to be, you could be left behind if someone stays consistent, consistent, and they just keep moving forward and keep moving forward. Now, what portion of American businesses, Carrillo, as we come down in less than 10 minutes of, t- of today's show, what portion of American businesses are going to generate half or more of their revenues completely online by 2027? Before you answer that, I have to say this. I can remember when just, I want to say maybe 10 years ago, may 10 or 15 years ago, it could be 15, people said, oh, people aren't going to buy things online. They're not going to trust people to, to share their credit card information, their checking, their checking account information. People, they're going to have a hard time. These businesses are not, this is not going to work. People aren't, they're not going to make their online purchases. How do you build their trust? And now here we're talking, asking this question, how many people have do their Christmas shopping online? And I can remember it, 10, 15 years ago, no one thought this would work. So many people were like, no, people aren't going to give you their credit card over the Internet. And now that's what people are doing. What What's the size of American businesses that half or more of their revenues by 2027 are going to come offline? I mean, it, it's so many industries. I, I think you, the, the question would almost be easier to answer if you asked what industries are not gravitating towards online because they, they pretty much all are, you know. Uh, I mean, you can even buy a car online, right? I mean, there, you can anything you, you, you think you can think of, you can probably do it online. So, obviously, the industries that are probably adapting the fastest are, are tech. A lot of tech industries are pretty much born online; they stay online for their entire life cycle. Um, e-commerce, any kind of just retail, that's obviously 100% online. E-commerce is a huge part of any retailer's strategy now. Anyone who's just selling physical commodities is is probably going to be pretty pretty well granted in, in an online strategy. Uh, service based is going to be a little bit a little bit more complicated, but you're seeing you know a lot of virtualization of traditional service based industries as well. You know, lawyers doing Skype consultations, CPAs doing Skype consultations, and so forth. Um, the, the industries that I guess have probably remained, you know, stubbornly not online. Uh, medical, I think, is having kind of more of a harder time adapting. So medical services, you know, telemedicine is not something that's really taken off. So medical remains pretty much grounded in, in, in brick and mortar. And a couple other industries as well, you know, are, are, have been pretty slow to adapt. Uh, but for the most part, you see everybody gravitating towards that because it, it's really a no-brainer. It's it's just much, much more efficient. How can our listeners get copies of Mobile Process Improvement? Those who would like to get a copy, do they just go to your website and download a copy? Of the book, of the white paper? Okay. It's really, really simple. Yeah, it's free on our website, electricwebmarketing.com. Just hop on and download it. It's free to everybody. Okay, okay. How can off-the-shelf listeners, uh, a small business owner, et cetera, how can they contact you if they want to work with you to increase their online sales? Well, again, just visit the website. The website has a lot of great information there. There's some blog posts they can read, and then we also have our contact info on there. We have our email and our phone number, and we're available, you know, whenever anybody needs us. You know, just give us a call, and let's have a conversation. So is it is that is that is that the process? Once somebody contacts you, let's say somebody's thinking they want to reach out to you, but they want to know the process. Do you have a, a, a like a I want to say um like a 
information gathering session with them and how long does that go? Uh, and, and are there times when you see it's not really a fit? And do you tell them, you know, maybe you make recommendations for them to see somebody else. If somebody wanted to know what is the process once they contact you before you hit the go, go, green button and go and start working on the project, what is that initial process as we only have about four or five minutes left? Oh, sure. I don't believe in doing business with people that I that I don't know. So either myself or, or another representative of the company will definitely want to pick up the phone, talk to you, get to know you, and make sure it's a good fit because it's our name too. If we're going to sign our name onto a project, we have to be 100% certain that it's going to be a winner. You know, So we want to look at, at what it is that the customer is bringing to the table as well because we don't want to get behind a product that might not be successful. And, yeah, absolutely. Do we turn people away? Yeah, I would say we probably turn away – 70% of our of our wow um quite a bit yeah because you have to be really selective i mean we're a small company um we have to pick winners right if we if we want to be profitable wow can you tell us about some of the social networks that you're on and how can off the shelf listeners how can they find you or keep up with what you're doing online other than visiting yeah, your website. Yeah, we have all our social media links on our website uh we're active on facebook and linkedin primarily um a little bit of twitter uh, but Facebook and LinkedIn are probably the ones we rely on most heavily. And we'd be definitely very happy. Go ahead and add us on, on Facebook, add us on LinkedIn. We'd love to interact with you there. Who are some, one of the last questions, who are some of the business owners, entrepreneurs who inspire you? You know, that's that's a really good question. Um I, I look at a lot of ones. I think Elon Musk, to me, is a very inspirational figure. This is somebody who has taken a good portion of his wealth and invested it back into projects that aren't immediately profitable, um, but projects that might help push the envelope and move you know, human society forward as a whole. You know, the Hyperloop, SpaceX, Tesla. Um, this man could be worth a lot more money if he wanted to be. Uh, but he's taking his money, he's investing it back into our society, which I think is, is very, very, you know, very noteworthy and something I respect mm. a lot. Okay, okay. We have had that pleasure of speaking with Kirill Storch as we've come to the end of today's off-the-shelf uh, feature interview. And I, he's the CEO of Electric Web, and I encourage you guys to go over to his website he, you can reach, contact him. He, they, their initial, you know, process as he just shared with us. They would meet with, meet with you to see if there's a fit, you know, for you guys to work together, to partner together. And they offer internet marketing, SEO, and they use mobile apps, public relations. They use de- different streams to pull traffic in for uh, the client that they're representing. And they're online at electricwebmarketing.com. It is spelled exactly as it sounds. You can go over to his website and learn more about him. He's he's uh, multilingual, and he's, he's traveled the world. And just came back from Beijing, as he said, and we were delighted to have him here with us at Off the Shelf Radio. Again, please go over. He's on Facebook. He said you can follow his, his, his company there, Electric Web, and it's electricwebmarketing.com. This is the type of marketing that can really save you a lot of time if it's a good fit. So we want to thank Kirill for being here with us this morning, and I thank all of you, our listeners here at Off the Shelf, those who've tuned in live this morning, and tell your friends once the show finishes streaming, they can listen to it in its entirety uh, in the archives 
Also, want to let you know, Career Stores, you have to take advantage of things, you guys, when you get stuff for free. He, uh, the white paper and mobile process improvement, you might learn something in there that you could use on your own or reaching out with somebody. Maybe you have a friend who is, 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 is up on things as far from a tech perspective, and you might be able to implement some of the procedures that he shares in that book, Mobile Process Improvement, which you can get at his website. I want to thank all of you for tuning in here to Off the Shelf. Please come back next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, New York City time, and we'll bring you another awesome guest. Again, Kareel Storch was our feature special guest today the CEO of Electric Web, electricwebmarketing.com. Remember, you are awesome, as I always tell you. Once, When we really believe this stuff, we're really going to take off. You are awesome. You are amazing. Go and create a fabulous day for yourself. I'll see you back here next Saturday, 11 a.m. Kareel, thank you. I'll send you an email when the show finishes streaming. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs>